And welcome back. You're listening to Law School in Brief. <laughs> wow, that was very NPR of you. Very good. Thank you so much. Uh, Megan? Yes. I was just <laughs> introducing our names. Oh. <laughs> You're right. Spoiler alert. It's me again. It's Megan. I'm here. We also have Lydia. Yes. Very good. Please tell me about your day. I'm obviously already a little bit delirious. <laughs> okay, I had a very unexpectedly eventful day. Okay. Um, yeah. So this, I woke up this morning feeling so tired. It was like the last two months have finally caught up with me. I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of like rewound a little bit and realized that I have been at this since August 6th and it is now September 24th and I'm tired. I can officially say like, I'm tired. Yeah, so, the novelty has worn off. Yeah, yeah. The the fresh faced, fancy free, bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, brand new one L law student thing. It's I'm not quite as polished as I was even four weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> the the books are piling up, the papers are scattering, you know, the, the to do list items that are not directly related to law school seem to just be accumulating. I have so many things written in uh dry erase marker like <laughs> everywhere in my life <laughs> um but anyway I woke up this morning feeling just very tired and so I allowed myself to I usually wake up at 5 five thirty. some mornings 4 30 to to read because I hate doing work at night um and I slept in until 6 30 today and then I watched the office for two hours yes yeah and then I got to school and I thought to myself, I'm just going to go to school, go to class, and then come right back home and put my PJs on and do work at home. But things took a sudden twist because I got an email at 1 p.m. asking me if I was, quote unquote, still on for having beer with the dean of our law school this evening <laughs> at 5 p.m. Whoa. Yeah. When it's phrased as still on, is this exactly. something that you would actually... Okay. So, so I, probably three or four weeks ago, filled out this little survey that entered us into a chance to win uh, a beer date with Dean Beerman. It's have a beer with Beerman. And I thought, what the heck? Why not? So I submitted this little form and then I never heard back. So I figured, uh, okay, you didn't win. Fine. Move on. Wow. Have you taken contract law yet? All of this no. like offer and acceptance jargon is going through my head. Okay, I won't. Make it. I won't <laughs> Not, make yet. It. Not yet. Not um, yet. But I mean, when you get an email at 1pm saying, are you still on to have beer with the dean of your law school? Yeah, you, you just say yes. You clear your schedule. Yes. You know? So I said, yes, of course, I'm still on for that. Also, I never heard that I had that I was selected for this. And they were like, Oh, we're so sorry. It's it's happening. Come or don't. Great. I'm coming. So during this beer date with Dean Bierman, um, you know, we one run on one. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. There, um, there are a couple others, but, uh, 
you know, you kind of run through the pleasantries of like, who are you? Where are you from? Why'd you come to Elon? How do you like Greensboro? And of course, me being me, I am like, okay, I got to spice this up somehow. <laughs> when am I ever going to learn? So I, <laughs> I say, I have a, a question for you. And I would appreciate you to be as candid as possible with me. Oh, and he turns yes. to me. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I'm thinking of you, Lydia, because this is exactly something you would do, I feel. <laughs> and I say, is it ever a more reasonable choice to just read like the Lexus Nexus case brief of a case rather than read the actual case. Okay. And I, yeah. and I did not. And okay. For the listeners who are hearing this, we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. We were, Lydia and I were just sort of like shooting it about whether or not in this hypothetical situation, say it's 11 PM, you've read cases all day you're exhausted. You know that if you keep reading, it won't be quality reading, but you feel like you need to finish the reading. So you come to a crossroads and you have to decide either you keep reading at the risk of maybe your work not being as quality or you go to sleep and figure out how to finish the work later, right? So I pose this hypo to our dean and I realize now, because of course the entire the entire walk home, I'm thinking, oh my God, did you back this man into a corner? Did you embarrass him? But anyway, I ask him this and he says, no, under no circumstance is it ever acceptable to not read the entire case. And then I and then I said, okay, but what if it's at the sake of your well-being? Nice. And I Come again, back, again. A, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. And again, I do not mean to back him into a corner. I did not. There was that was not my intention at all. I was genuinely asking this question because I am a student trying to learn from a teacher, right? Trying mm -hmm. to get insight. And I also said right after that, because I wanted to give him more wiggle room, I said, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer here. I'm just curious, like what yours is in the rationale. And he said, I'm so sorry. Did you just say well-being? And I said, yeah. And then he kind of laughed a little bit. And he said, listen, when you're an attorney, your well-being is not of concern. <laughs> and he said, you have a duty to your client. You have a fiducial, no, fiduciary, no. Do you know this I word? Mm, I don't think fiduciary. Fiduciary duty? Here. Well, Okay. This is hilarious for anybody who knows anything about law. They're probably like these idiots. But he said, he said, you have a duty to your client to be available whenever they needed a drop of a hat. Think of a think of a doctor. Think of a doctor who has a, a duty to their patients. You know, like doctors aren't gonna say, sorry, I was on vacation with my family if you have like a life or death situation. Yes, um, they are. Well, he, he also, Dean Berman used Period. the example that he had to miss out on a trip to France with his three daughters because he had a client that like really needed him. And so he couldn't go on this trip. And I, at this point, am, I'm hearing what he's saying and I'm, I'm becoming kind of disappointed because I would like to think that there's a world in which we can have more of a work-life balance. And just like his... I, I suppose maybe I'm I'm reading too much into his tone, but it seemed almost like foolish girl. There is no work life balance. Like you didn't want you didn't come to law school so that you could have a life outside of this. And then one of the women um, who was at the table with us, 
who was a graduate of Elon Law, uh, said, yeah, you know, I actually was on the phone with a client of mine while I was in labor giving birth. And, and then, and then I said, okay, but you don't work as a, as an attorney anymore. Now you work for the law school. So I'm wondering like, was part of your decision to move away from corporate law? Wow. You just thrilled them, Megan. I love that. But I, again, like I did, this was not meant to be like, I'm going to roast these (laughs) these people. It was more like, I genuinely like really coming from a place of curiosity, trying to figure out my life would love to know your rationale. And she said, you know what? Yeah, that was part of it. You know, I went from working 80 hours a week to working 50 hours a week. (sighs) But anyway, I I just got me. It's good to know that there are people who have that mindset. You know, like when you go into an interview, it's good to know that someone with that mindset might be on the other side of the table. Yeah. But respectfully, I completely disagree. Yeah, but I, just, I, mean, I, I mean, maybe he's just talking about the context of like working in a corporate firm or something. Yeah, and I do. I've actually, I'm now like contemplating writing him a follow up email, being like, "I'm so sorry if I put you on the spot. I did not mean to do that. This was genuinely me trying to figure out my way in the world. And you are a seasoned, you are seasoned in the law and seasoned in your career. And I just was trying to glean from you." You know, of course, and in retrospect, of course, like, I'm the dean of the law school is not going to be like, yeah, sometimes you can just skim it <laughs> but like, at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. it's just like the judge I asked when you can civilly disobey it. He was like, you can't. It's kind of like maybe his position is what he's needing to affirm. But yeah, it, it's exactly like that. I, I don't think you should send the, the apology email because maybe you've given him something to think about. And maybe he's going to keep thinking about it. What if other students also raise this with him? True. It, but if you just kind of like wipe it from his conscience, then he won't have to think about mental health. Ooh, good point. I don't know. Good but point. I know that you have a, a relationship to maintain there for the course of three years. So that's Yeah, all. and now and now I'm also, there's this other piece of it where I'm like, oh my God, does he think that I do that? I will also say I have never once skimmed a case. Like I brief every case. Are you serious? Case. Yeah. I wake <laughs> Lydia. I wake up at four thirty in the oh, morning if my I have to. Gosh, <laughs> that's nice that you were so affirming of me last week when I was deciding to sometimes skim. Yeah, like I I have figured it out, but I also feel like it's been to the detriment of other things, which is why this week has just been awful, and I've been like genuinely mm-hmm. sort of okay. unhappy. Like I've been like walking through the day just like this is not fun. <laughs> this is not yeah. a good time. It's not. But you have been already putting your skills to use. That is true because this past Saturday, I was able to work at the uh, Greensboro Community Name Change Clinic, which was really, really cool. Um, So basically, I, for one hour before the clinic, was trained by two attorneys on how to walk people through uh, petitioning for a name change. And this is really relevant. We're talking about people that aren't getting a name change through marriage. These are people who are trying to legally change their name for one reason or another. And it just how so happened. How is it different from changing your last name for marriage? Oh my gosh. Like legally. it could not be more different. So, really? Okay. Yeah. It is wild how different it is. So first of all, 
If you want to change your name legally and it's not through marriage, there are so many different steps. First of all, I, I just said first of all twice. <laughs> I am <laughs> first and foremost, um, you have to you have to get fingerprinted at your local sheriff's office. And then you have to send copies of those fingerprints to the FBI and like your state bureau what? of investigation. Oh yeah. They, the, both those entities background check you. When you get the results of both Why of those backgrounds. Why can't you your social security number? That's unique. This is. Why does I, that have to be a biometric? I did not get the why behind these processes. Okay. Um, but anyway, I actually, I got the why behind a couple, not that one particularly. Um, but anyway, so once you get your fingerprints back or once you, once you send your fingerprints off and you get your background check back and it comes out clean, then you can go to the county clerk's office. And at the county clerk's office, you have to fill out a piece of paper that says, I, and then state your name, intend to change my name to, and then state the new name. And then you have to, and this is where it's so archaic, you have to take that piece of paper and you have to post it on a bulletin board in the county clerk's office so that the public, quote unquote, can read of your intentions. And this, this, is, this serves as notice, right? Oh, I thought you had to put it in a newspaper, which is also archaic and like weird. This, but for this that, particular you don't have thing, okay. Yeah, no, this is just a, a bulletin board in the county clerk's office. After 10 days, <laughs> you can come back to the county clerk's office and, okay, I should pause, pause there. During that 10 days, you have to find two people who also live in your same county who are not of blood or marriage relation to you, who will essentially vouch for your character um, and have a, a signed affidavit stating that you are a that that person is a resident of the county and the name changee is also a resident of the county and they vouch for their character. And then those people have to get those affidavits notarized. So wow. then the name changee comes back to the courthouse after the 10 days, uh, takes the piece of paper down off the bulletin board and instead turns in an official name change form along with the affidavits. And I think it's a $120 fee, which doesn't even include, it's like $15 per copy of your fingerprints. It's like $20 to file for the background check just once. And then, I mean, there, it's just so cost prohibitive. I figured it comes out to about $300, which is a lot of money. Yeah, that is um, a lot of money. Yeah. So then once all of that is done, um, sometimes the court can, or the clerk can say to you, you have to go in front of a judge and like do this, which is really lame. Wow. That's not the case everywhere, but it can be. Um, anyway, yeah. And then, and then your name can be changed. And that's, that's if it's a, a really straightforward process. If you're just changing your last name through marriage, which I recently did, so I'm like aware of how easy this process is, you go to the county registrar and you get a form and you write down what your last name was and what you want it to be <laughs> and a couple other details like parents' names, social securities, whatever. And then you put your hand up and you swear that you are who you are and you sign it and that's pretty much it. <laughs> And then the county sends you a piece of paper 
verifying what your new name is and you can take that piece of paper and you go, can go to the social security office and get a social security card and then from there the social security card is like the main pass because then yeah. you can go anywhere you can go to the dmv and say this is my new name you can go to like a credit card company and say this is my new last name and i understand why there are all these loopholes they don't because there are people who are trying to commit fraud out there they're trying to escape let's oh, say yeah. a debt and so they're like trying to go by a new name, right? I get that. But it is prohibitive for especially queer folks who just are like systemically disenfranchised. They're, you know, they, they make less money. And I should also say this name change clinic was geared more toward the queer community. I, I don't think I talked to anybody who wasn't there trying to change their name from their dead name to their actual name. Right. Um, yeah, it was just, it was really awesome and super affirming. How many was, people showed up? Like, how many people were you working with? So it was me and four other Elon students. And I would say that each of us probably helped mm, seven to 10 people. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all so grateful. I mean, Think about any time you've been faced with just a bunch of bureaucratic paperwork. The yeah. last thing you want to do is that. And it can be so intimidating. So intimidating that you never do it because you think, oh, this is just way too involved. Or maybe you get tripped up on one little piece of the process yeah. and you think, uh, this is taking way too much emotional energy for me. I mean, because yeah. for, for these people, this is like a very emotional thing. I just can't imagine walking into I don't know like a county clerk's office being nervous because they can essentially determine whether or not you are affirmed in your name by society and they throw some legal jargon at you and you don't know what you're doing you're like you totally fumble because you're like I, uh, I don't know what is what is affidavit what is notary you know yeah Ugh. anyway it if was all awesome steps are taken is it almost guaranteed that the name change request will be approved or when someone goes in front of the judge can the judge be like mm, no in my understanding it's almost guaranteed i think it's just that the court reserves the right to do that and it from what that i understood scary, I yeah think. i yeah. think the only the only circumstance in which the judge would say no is if you were just trying to make your name like a bunch of cat face emojis or something like uh, something completely unreasonable. I know. Lydia. I have been drawing Or some should I say cat face, cat face, cat face, cat face. <laughs> I will upload onto the blog the cutest cat face. I out of maybe like hundreds of cat faces that I've drawn in my notebooks, there's one that has really stood out to me. Um as being, being cuter than the best. I will post it. Back to your um, volunteering. That is mm. so cool. Did you get like um, training beforehand? Yeah. So a How week hard before. How hard is it to be trained to do that, to help people do that? I found it to be pretty easy. There were, nice. two, part, there were two parts to the training. So the week before, if you wanted to participate in this clinic, you had to go to a mandatory, they weren't calling it this, but I'll call it this like a cultural competency training where they had a representative from the Guilford Green Foundation, which is the local LGBT center, come and talk about 
essentially trans folks and like what's okay and what's not okay. And she was amazing. Her name is Mel V, uh, who lived in Los Angeles. And so incidentally, we knew a lot of the same like people and places nice. and things, which was really cool. Um, but she, she, she stood there and said, look, I am your resident trans person. If you have a question that you are too embarrassed to ask, you can ask it here and now. And wow. everybody, yeah, I mean, she really was like, I'm here to educate you. And people asked really good questions. Someone asked, you know, someone said, I'm from the South and I always try to be as respectful as possible. So when I'm addressing somebody that I'm not familiar with, I always say miss or mister. In this case scenario, I want to be respectful of the people that I'm helping, but I would not want to accidentally disrespect them by essentially saying like the wrong prefix. Um, and, and I thought, wow, holy crap, I've never heard that question asked. That's a really good question. And I've heard plenty of like queer centric questions. Melvi said, you know, the best thing to do is be as casual as possible because creating this like language or using this kind of language kind of has a bit of a hierarchy. You know, they're gonna be sitting across the table from you. You're probably gonna be wearing a blazer and you have all the answers and they just want the answers. So if you just call them by their first name and keep it real with them, they're going to appreciate that more. So Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So the cultural competency training was a week before. And then on Saturday, the day of the clinic, we had a one hour training beforehand on the actual procedure and process so that we could talk about it with people. That's so great Yeah, for something like that. I haven't done any hands-on stuff yet and it's starting to go drive me a little bit nuts understandable you know yeah i did start outlining that made me feel like the pieces were coming together good but like that's it <laughs> <laughs> what else though i mean okay so one of one of the other things i've been thinking about a lot is how do you stay motivated and how do you decompress Oh, decompress? Okay, yeah. you've been watching The Office, so you're, <laughs> I think it's funny kind of that your escape from law school is like office work, is, <laughs> is, is fantasizing about the nine-to-five office job. But oh, what a day. <laughs> I feel you. I've been watching this show called Father Brown, which is a family favorite. It's a BBC mm -hmm. show set in the 1950s. It's about a sleuthing priest who solves the mysteries before the detective can. And basically when he finds the culprit, he just tries to get them to confess like before God. And then sometimes <laughs> he'll tell them to go to the police or sometimes he'll help them escape <laughs> if he thinks they've done the, the wrong thing for the right reason or something. Um, it's just great. <laughs> Good. That's how I've been decompressing. Um, wow, did I talk about Father Brown last week? I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe I was just talking about it with someone you else. Were, you were telling me, actually, about Father Brown oh. last week. <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I, I mean, I was over here pretending like I hadn't heard it, but like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> as long as I don't talk about it on the podcast every single week, it's fine. Um, uh, yeah, I, in terms of motivating myself, yeah, the novelty is worn off. So I just have been doing the reading to actually learn uh, and to just get through it for class instead of learning because I'm excited about it. 
But um, I don't know if you saw, you saw this video of Greta Thunberg. I sure did. That was really motivating to me. I was like, yeah, she's right. We, we failed her. But I realized something last year when I was assessing the minimal impact I've had in my life, like really <laughs> looking at the things I've done and tried to do and feeling bad about not living up to my potential. Mm-hmm. And I would have these conversations with my friends and I'd be like, I realized I'm not doing enough and not living up to my potential. And therefore I kind of suck. And my friends, probably because they're my friends, would say, no, you're doing good things. You don't suck. I literally just had the impulse to say, stop it, you, you're the best, you're amazing, and you're doing great things. But I get that too. Well, so, I mean, I don't think I'm the worst person ever. But I think that, like, when you listen to someone like Greta be like, you have failed me. I think the appropriate response is like, yes, I have. Not, how dare you? Like, I'm doing my best or whatever. Because sometimes... I don't know. Sometimes your best isn't good enough, but I think that a lot of times I have just haven't been doing my best. Um, mm. But anyways, I so I don't think that my premise of like I'm not living up to my potential or my conclusion that that means that I kind of suck need to be challenged. I think that it's like there's this inaction that that conclusion lo- would lead me to uh-huh. that um, I decided needed to be rejected. Like I watched Greta and I think you're right. I failed you. And in the past I would have then thought, sorry, I failed you. If only I could really help out. But now I'm just in a desk job and I am just mm. kind of a sucky, unimpactful person now, unfortunately. Sorry. And my realization last year was it is possible to have for a long period of time, not lived up to my potential. And that might or might not mean that I kind of suck. But that judgment doesn't matter. It's just not relevant to the call to action to do something now. Like I'm going to do my classwork and I'm going to get whatever grades I'm going to get. And I have or haven't done whatever I've done in my life that hasn't lived up to any kind of standard (laughs) when I compare myself to others. And it just doesn't matter. Like all that matters is that I like have to work on climate change and forced migration because like that's why I came to law school I don't know she just kind of helped me snap out of the like law school track and back onto the like oh yeah this is the reason that I came here like if I do really well with my grades and I qualify to get a fancy job doing unrelated work rolling in money I don't think that that means that I get to like let myself have that fancy job and if I do really poorly in class despite all of this effort I'm putting in I don't get off the hook of doing impactful work just because, quote, I suck. Like, I just don't. The moral imperative is still there. Yes. So the motivation for me is to, like, stop thinking about how my performance is impacting my sense of self and, like, Mm. just focus on this, whatever I'm doing now, like, will get me to doing that work but it still feels far off because it's like three years but maybe like clinic work or summer work or something yeah I mean I had so many thoughts while you were saying all of those things and now they're like out of my brain but the one the one big takeaway is (laughs) is you cannot lose track or lose focus on why you're here because I feel like once you do that a phrase that I keep hearing at school is 
um, you stop th seeing the forest through the trees. Like all you, all you're looking at is like this huge barrier right now, and you you totally lose sight of what you're doing here to begin with. Um, yeah, it's a good takeaway. Yeah. And all, but another like semi-related but different thought. When I listened to Greta speak, it's funny because she said, "You failed me," and I still group myself with people her age because I said, "Yeah, hell yeah, they did. They failed us." Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, I still feel failed by the generation above us, but I mean, we're we've had you know a while to do. Yeah, that. you have done really material impactful stuff like raising a million dollars and that kind of thing um <laughs> for example I, okay <laughs> but anyways, we, don't have to, like, we don't have to get into this I, I just think like the judgment up till this exact moment it just doesn't matter what we've done yeah the past is the past and you just have to do what you can in the present to yeah. Help the future. I'm starting to sound like an after-school special. But <laughs> I, yeah, well, the problem is that, like, so this is a realization I had last year. And so it's something that I kind of came into law school already having. But And then I just kind of got sidetracked and listening to Greta kind of helped me um, get back on my, like, mission. But it's kind of a resigned, like, acceptance of failure and, like, a little nihilistic and like it's not actually the most motivating mindset to have so in terms of like sitting down and doing my work every single day I don't know if that's really the source of my motivation maybe just Greta Greta is the source of the motivation I think you need to take a dry erase marker and write Greta on your <laughs> fridge <laughs> is that not how you motivate my <laughs> yeah that's a good idea I like that Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, have you I, been doing anything to motivate yourself? You've been watching, no. you've been sleeping in a little bit, relaxing a little bit. Um, God, I got to be honest. The, the real motivators for me come when I get a grade back. And I know that we haven't taken any finals or anything, but when I get, you know, a brief that I did back and my professor said, good work. Or nice. like today I took a quiz and I got 14 out of 15, right? And I was like, yes, like, you know, just like a super frat bro. Yes. <laughs> I turn into like a sports fan when I'm cheering for myself. <laughs> um, yeah, it's That's just so those, it, it's those little things along the way. But I mean, the flip side of that is, I mean, <laughs> I hate to even bring it up again, but like citations. <laughs> yeah. Did my method work for you? Did you try it? I did try it and it was not the best for me, to be honest. Um, I got really uh, discombobulated. So, but I will say just by having to do it over and over and over again, I, I have gotten better. And now I am passing all of my work for that on the first try, which is good. Um. Megan, given your, like, level of experience now and also your level of, like, being kind of burnt out. Well, I don't want to say burnt out. Being less motivated now. Mm. If you were given the chance to start the semester over with other people who had not taken any law school classes yet, would you do it? Or are you ready to just power through? 
I don't fully understand the question. So if I could start over again with other people who had, oh, so basically if I could go back in time. Yeah. Like if, if I could, if I could rewind the clock back to September 3rd, the first day of the trimester and everybody else had the clock rewound, would I do it? Mm, they would, the clock would rewind. You would retain your knowledge and they wouldn't. Oh, uh, so I asked this because I'm still on one wait list for a school that starts really late. And so oh my gosh. I was like, whoa, would I start over at this point? That's a really good question. Um, once I'm released from that wait list, we're going to party. Please tell me that wait list is still Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I, uh, I didn't tell you. No, I was definitely rejected from Harvard. That was uh, Chicago's uh, classes start next week. Which is so late. Yeah, that's so ridiculously weird. late. Um, I, oof, well, now that I know the context, it would be different. Like, if I could, okay, I'm just going to give you my straight answer. If, without knowing the context of a potential late, late, late start law school situation, I would not rewind the clock and know what I know and essentially have a leg up on everyone not even a leg up because then it's like I would be reviewing things I already learned I would feel like I lost momentum mm. and if I were to tip my hand that I knew all this stuff then people would be coming to me all the time and <laughs> I well I mean I like learning from other people I enjoy yeah. I enjoy figuring out problems with other people and I would feel a little bit robbed of that experience um however if it were my number one law school choice that was a very late start and I was still on the wait list and they were to randomly offer me acceptance two days before the start of school. Yes, I would go. Really? <laughs> really go. Yeah. But that's my own life thing. And yes, I would go, but in reality, no, I wouldn't go because I couldn't uproot. Yeah. I don't have as much flexibility as I used to. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple other heartbeats to think about. Aww. I don't know. I don't know if Harper, my poor kitty, could, could do another cross-country move. <laughs> yeah. If it was something in Greensboro, though, like, that would be... Yeah, I mean, no, I probably wouldn't leave. If it, like, if it, if it was, like, UNC offered me, I, like, no, I probably wouldn't go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. if that actually happens, which it won't, I will be calling you. But yes, anyways, um, it's just this hypothetical I've been thinking of. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the burnout thing, it's not a great way to start a semester. But, yeah, because, I mean, think about if you apply you know? our If you apply our logic pattern <laughs> to this hypothetical scenario, sure, you might be like, a leg up on them right now, but toward the end of the semester, right. you'll, have, you'll have an entire extra month of school <laughs> under your belt, and they're going to feel a month fresher than you will. Mm. Think about that. Yeah, riddle me this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was going to say we should do the interloper today, but we've already been talking oh. for 36 minutes. So. Oh, oh, yeah, I want to do that. So this something to look forward to next week. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give hypo, give you you hypo. and our listeners a little teaser. Okay. Actually, how about this? How about this? How about I read the hypo and then we don't talk about it because this is actually so fun. Like, this, okay, that's this a good idea. Fun. People can and this it. way you can you can chomp on it and think about 
who owes what to whom, okay? Okay. So this problem is from Dean Armijo's torts class. Shout out to Dean Armijo for a second week in a row, because this week he actually gave me permission to talk about this. Should we, <laughs> should we want to? Um, okay. So you have farmer Roscoe Filburn drives into Iowa City to purchase grain. As a corn grower, Farmer Filburn, though diminutive in stature, strongly supports the government's subsidy of ethanol as an alternative form of gasoline. And he wears an, and then in all big cap letters, ethanol, the right choice, patch on his overalls. David, whose brother died from grain alcohol-related poisoning, is walking down the street when Mr. Farmer Filburn is exiting his truck. David, fuming with anger upon seeing Farmer Filburn's patch, falls into a psychotic rage. David threatens to tear the patch off Filburn's overalls and lunges at Farmer Filburn with his arms raised. In response, Farmer Filburn reaches into the back of his truck to grab his antique metal pitchfork and stabs oh, David through the chest with it. Oh. Shaken, Farmer Filburn then gets into his truck and returns to the country. <laughs> David survives Farmer Filburn's blow, but Goliath, David's brother, a much larger brother, learns of the altercation. Goliath decides to wait until nightfall to go to Farmer Filburn's farm. After a series of break-ins and other trespasses on their farm, Mother Filburn, Farmer Filburn's wife, has insisted or sorry, had installed a spring gun trap on their home's master bedroom door. The spring gun consists of a 20-gauge shotgun tied to an iron bed frame with the barrel pointed at the bedroom door with a wire running from the doorknob to the trigger so that it would fire toward the door. Sorry, I just asserting that it would fire toward the door at knee level when the door was opened. Because of these incidents, Farmer and Mother Filburn slept in a barn adjacent to the house. The Filburns set up the trap so as to deter future intruders as well as to ensure an intruder would not be able to escape their home after he was shot with the gun. Unbeknownst to the Filburns, sleeping soundly in the barn, Goliath, with a crowbar in hand and seeking to exact revenge for his brother's stabbing, arrives at the Filburn house. Goliath attempts to enter the master bedroom opens the door, and triggers the spring gun, which blows off most of his right leg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so here's the scenario. And Father Brown would have so much to say about this. Who would? Father Brown. Oh, Father Brown would. This is definitely some street justice. But also, things to consider here are who is liable for what and who owes what to whom. So you have, and I'm not going to dive too deep, but think about what Father Filburn does, what Goliath does, what David does, and what Mother Filburn does. And consider all of their motivations for doing those things. And consider what the recipient of those actions would, would have to say about it. So we'll talk more about that next week. Okay, that's exciting. Should I yeah. take notes? Should I try to answer this wait was this like a homework assignment or this seems like an exam hypo so it was just one that he gave us to think about so that we could apply some of the different um things we've been learning in oh, court cool. so 
this is like yeah so this is like heavy on assault and battery and false imprisonment um so you know just chew on that and let me know what you think next week because i have my i have my podcast that gives you homework yeah (laughs) and before we sign up i want to give a shout out to seal because she was listening to us during her car wash and then sent a picture of it i thought it was really cute yeah that's commitment thank you seal (laughs) all right um talk to you next week all right thank you everyone for listening to law school and brief yeah we love you we mean it love you mean it bye Bye.